This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Hey y'all, welcome to this episode of Empty Pews. This is Kellen, and um, I'm really happy to be with you. This is Bentley, and I'm delighted to be with you all as well. Kellen, are you worried that my microphone is too loud? Actually, it looks okay. I think so. So there there are a whole lot of special days, Kellen, that are popping up all over the place. We just had Mother's Day, which is always a joy and delight, but there's also some kind of liturgical days, some holy days of the calendar that um, are kind of all around us right now. Maybe we could spend a little bit of time talking about those. That's true. Yeah. So today, tomorrow, and Wednesday are called rogation days, and um, they lead up to the Ascension, which is celebrated on Thursday. All right, Kellen, but listen, that just kind of rolled off your tongue rogation days leading up to the ascension i talked a little bit about this in last week's podcast during my reflection on the scripture text i ended up preaching the gospel text and not the occasion of rogation sunday which isn't really a thing though it's trying to come back in the episcopal church though our organist selected hymns and music that were particularly tailored to rogation days i think yeah they were all like sort of creation themed um which was really beautiful and i think worked well um but yeah it's sort of like a unofficial official celebration in the episcopal church and rogation days they're days where we traditionally have blessed fields and farmers and even like industry. It's linked to the planting season in the Northern Hemisphere. And um, I mean, historically, they were there so that we could petition God um, that he, God would not bring judgment um, or calamity upon our growing season or our harvest. Um, But now it seems more like they're there to um, celebrate creation and and the sort of good work of the earth and and underscore our dependence upon it. And I do feel like we might be, you and I personally, living into these rogation days very faithfully because you and your family planted your garden yesterday. I don't know if you did like a little prayer service over your seeds, um, asking God to bless um, them and create a bountiful harvest, but... um, I think my work was my prayer yesterday as related to the garden. I think Bentley was digging a lot of um, or creating a lot of rows. I wasn't planting. I was just digging. Yes. Um, my father-in-law helped out as well. Oh, that was nice of him. Yeah. So we were digging a little, I'm, I'm mindful also, Kellen, that, um, 
our years do have a pattern to them. We were talking about being in the garden this time last year. I know, on the podcast. But it's great to be back in the garden. And yeah, so we I, we were kind of getting everything prepped and then Leslie put seeds into the ground. I noticed that your garden plot looked like you had done some work over there. We have made our rows. I have not yet planted my seeds, but I probably will in the coming days. So yeah, we're excited um, that things are going to be growing again. Any adjustments to the garden this year from from maybe last year? Well, um, I may be planting a few more flowers, but I'm still doing a lot of veggies. And I think you guys are mostly flowers this year, no? Yeah, it's, um, I, no, I, I think a quarter maybe oh. of flowers. We still got some veggies going then. Correct. I was I misunderstood the. But let's get real, right? Like Western North Carolina veggies are not quite the same thing as Alabama veggies. It just doesn't get quite as hot up here. So like, good luck with a tomato. Yeah, I mean, I think like greens grow really well, <laughs> and things that like a sort of wet, cooler temperatures. Cucumbers should be great up here. Okra does all right. In the late summer, yeah. Right. But like peppers and tomatoes, like all of those really fun summer foods just don't go You've so well go up down here. To Georgia. Yeah. They get, you know, trucked up here, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> Right, speaking of important things moving from one place to another, tomorrow is the Feast of the Ascension. A great feast day in the, the un- church. Unfortunately, I think uh, we're not going to have, we're not going to celebrate the feast with a Eucharist, but we will have morning prayer where we'll mark the occasion. Uh, this is not a feast that you're able to transfer, though some churches will transfer it to the Sunday. You're not meant to do that. No, it's supposed to be a fixed date. Because? It's 40 days after Easter. Right. And and some of the things that I think are worth just naming with this feast, because there's still more to come, uh, feast just around the corner is that it's, it's the moment where Jesus kind of departs from earth. And his departure actually, in a strange way, uh, brings him ever closer to each of us. It's a bit of a kind of surprising turn, right, Kellen? A beautiful paradox. Right. And the reason why is because while Jesus is on the earth, he's kind of bound by place and time. And then when he ascends to heaven, not only does he kind of bring us with him, um, but is made present in all types of places and is no longer bound by place and time. So this is a reality that we celebrate on the Feast of the Ascension. And right around the corner is the Great Feast of Pentecost, which concludes the Easter season. But we'll talk more about that next week since it's still, you know, two weeks away. So this past Sunday was our first Sunday where we had um, a greater capacity And we are around 50% capacity in the chapel, which means like sort of like 40-ish humans in that space. And I'm wondering what it felt like to you, Bentley. Uh, It was really wonderful, Kellen. uh, Sometimes I think about liturgical space as a place that's kind of heating up, right? Like a place where there's a bit of an energy and a warmth uh, that, that that grows in a space. And I've very much felt like for the first time in a year that the chapel... Uh, had that feel to it, that kind of warmth 
that we all, I think, know viscerally that 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 feeling that we have when we're together in worship. Um, of course, it's been um, graced in many ways over this past year. That space has in in in, in countless ways, but to have it full, uh, or at least closer to being full, I I felt a warmth there that has been maybe absent. It has been absent uh, for a year now. How about you, Kellen? I really like the way you've talked about the liturgical space heating up. I think that's like a perfect description of how it felt on Sunday with more humans in the space to share in the joy of worship together. Um, It does kind of feel like this swell of um, energy and and grace and connection and belonging and um yeah it's when you're missing that when you don't have it in your life maybe you don't recognize that all the time but when it's there it is um yeah it just feels like the place you need to be So on this seventh Sunday in Easter, the Sunday after the Ascension, um, we hear a passage from the Gospel of John. And the passage begins with Jesus um, praying for his disciples. And it's basically this large intercessory prayer on behalf of those um, who have followed Jesus. And in this prayer, Jesus prays for a lot of things. Um, He prays for protection for the disciples. He prays that the disciples might be one as he and the Father are one. He prays that um, their joy may be complete, that they may be sanctified in the truth. And so it's really kind of this lengthy um, ongoing intercession that holds a lot to it. And so there are a number of ways one could preach this passage, and I'm wondering what you're thinking, Bentley. Uh, Kellen, well done on the summary. That's a difficult gospel reading to summarize, um, but you did. You and I were talking about this reading just yesterday, and something that you said uh, made me laugh. You said, you know, why couldn't Jesus pray for something a little bit easier than for the church to be one. (laughs) It's because it's hard. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are lots of things that Jesus asks us to do. There are lots of things that I think um, God hopes for. I don't know if you can say that, but God desires, God wants uh, from God's people. And that God would want us to be one seems like a tall order. Yeah, and I guess like what, what does it mean to be one is a question that comes to mind with this passage and with John in general? So, Kellen, I think that's a wonderful question. And there may be two ways to kind of go about it. One would say, one one option would say, well, look, we as the church already are one by virtue of our baptism. And that's something that we can forget. So, I mean, I think I think one is to, to, to kind of think about the gift 
that we've been given, that that Christ's prayer has been answered, and that through the waters of baptism and the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus's prayer that we would be one has already been answered. Now, of course, we forget that reality. We don't live into that reality in the ways that we should. And that's maybe another way to think about Jesus's prayer is how are we actually honoring, living into the gift that we've been given through Jesus's prayer that we would be one. I mean, there's just kind of a couple of ways at it, I think. I like your turn um, of saying that this prayer has already been answered. I don't know if I've sort of heard that interpretation of the passage before. Like it's still sort of this ongoing prayer um, that needs to be prayed for Jesus's followers is how I would often interpret that passage. But I like that. Like it's already, um, yeah, come to fulfillment in some ways, maybe not the fullness of it. Because I think while we can say all things hold together in Christ and we do share one baptism and are part of one body and one flock. Um, there's also this reality to the church um, and the world that seems torn apart still. Well, I, you know, just for me, Kellen, I think so much of this is that God has given us everything. He's given his life to us. He's offered us peace, grace, um, and he's offered us uh, the same kind of unity which is shared between the Holy Trinity. And the question is, what have we done with the gift that we've been offered? It's God's will that we would be united. And I do think God has accomplished that. But because of our brokenness, because of sin, uh, we've turned away from that gift and you know, God is responsible for our union. And I think we should do everything in our power to give thanks for and honor the gift that we've been given uh, in and through Christ. I'm just thinking maybe more generally about this passage and how throughout the Gospels, like we don't have a lot of um, the actual words of Jesus's prayers. Um, We see him going off to pray a lot. We read about him, you know, Um, spending time alone in prayer to the Father. And of course, we have the Lord's Prayer, right, in the Synoptic Gospels. But here in John, we have this like beautiful chunk um, of a prayer. It's long, it's lengthy, and um, I just wonder why our prayers, or should our prayers resemble this prayer? I mean, do we pray for unity? Do we pray for joy? Do we pray to be sanctified in God's truth. And if we're not praying for those things, I I wonder if we're being invited to offer those prayers this week. I want to offer a brief reflection from Austin Ferrer, uh, which I think we could all incorporate into our prayer. 
This sacrament is not a special part of our religion. It is just our religion sacramentally enacted. It is whatever Christ is, and Christ is everything to Christian men and women. In particular, he is the supreme bond between us. Every one of you communicating is bound together by his neighbor by this, that the same Christ who lives in one lives in the other. You care for your fellow Christian as you would care for Christ, and that in you which does the caring is also Christ. Christ in each cares for Christ in all when we communicate together. The same bond unites us with the saints in paradise, who make up by far the greater part of Christ's people, and with our departed friends for whom we care and for whom we pray. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Empty Pews. Um, Hope y'all are doing well. We'd love to see you uh, Sunday morning worship. Um, I know that your presence would help warm up the space even more. And of course, as you all know, we're doing all that we can to make sure we have a space big enough for all of the hearts and warmth that we want to have here at Incarnation. And to that end, just a quick update. Uh, They're putting up structural steel this week uh, for the new connector and the main street entrance to the main sanctuary. And so within the next couple of days and within this next week, I think you all will see some significant change um, at the parish building, which will be exciting to see. So drive by and stop by the office if you want to say hi. We love you. We miss you. God's peace.